February 3rd, 2002. The nation is still reeling from the tragic events of September 11th. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots are beating the greatest show on turf, Rams, 14-3. And in one more half, the Patriots dynasty will begin. But before that, an Irish rock band by the name of U2 is ready to heal America's pain with an unforgettable performance. This is Halftime. Welcome to Halftime, the podcast that gives you the in-depth breakdowns of Super Bowl halftime performances that you never knew you needed. I'm your host, Dan, and I am joined by my co-host, Sam. Sam, how are you doing all the way up there in OHIO? I am doing great, Dan. I am really, really happy that we are talking about this Super Bowl halftime show because... Uh, it's definitely one of the most important and most memorable halftime performances to happen within like this early days era. And I can't wait to really delve into it. I mean, just first impression. I mean, first, very first, different from the one we did last week. Last week's oh, different vibe, different critiques that we're going to give for sure. And that what we're referencing is our first official episode of Halftime which was us breaking down Aerosmith and InSync's performance at the 2001 Super Bowl halftime. If I had to give kind of like a comparison, um, I would almost say the first episode with InSync and Aerosmith, it was really kind of like you're going over to your friend's house and you're there, you're having a good time, you're partying, you're really giving a big celebration. Uh, and then this one, this time around, it's more so just like trying to bring you in the spirit. It's like you really were like, you're just trying to get back. You're trying to feel good about yourself, feel good about everything. And I mean, a main part of that is because this was the post nine 11 super bowl. So they really, uh, the NFL, they really kind of tried to go out of their way to make this something that like was going to be more special and more memorable because this is what they felt the country really needed. And I think that, Something that we can say to our viewers right now is if you have not gone into the description and clicked on the YouTube link to see this halftime show, go ahead and do that right now because otherwise everything that we're going to say isn't going to make as much sense as it would if you go and watch that. But what we linked is I believe the one that we both watched, which was kind of a documentary style. So it wasn't just the halftime show. It was also an NFL production where they were talking all about everything that happened before. Well, because I just felt I felt as though maybe because I know you're not a big YouTube fan. You don't know I am too not, much about it. Yeah. So nothing against them. I just yeah. don't like their music. I there's nothing that really attracts me to their music. I'm pretty neutral on it. Yeah. So I even thought like, oh, maybe this will be more interesting. The one with like the extra plus also the actual quality of the video was better than the other one without the documentary stuff. So I thought worse comes to worse. There's a 10 second break where a person's talking about a song in the middle of the show and then we can go to the next part. But which is really all it was. But I thought that, uh, yeah, that's that's what our video was, was the NFL produced documentary of it. And I think that that was very well done. I know that you just you just said that the. The quality was really good, which I 100% agree, but I think that the content was there too, which I think um, really contributes and will guide our conversation. Yeah, and especially because like it gave sort of the insight of like leading up to the Super Bowl, like how the season sort of went along, how all the players were feeling. Like I didn't even know that apparently they took a one-week break from games to just like 
reel themselves in of what had happened. And that's even what ended up causing them to have the Super Bowl be in February, the first Sunday in February, instead of the last Sunday in January. And that's even, I mean, that's a small little thing, but that's just going to lead into them taking a one-week break before the Super Bowl, sort of because of how uh, this one had gone. And and did you see what the Super Bowl logo for this one was also? I don't think I did. I didn't notice it. I might have seen it, but I didn't notice it. So obviously it says Super Bowl on the front, but like the actual logo itself is in the shape of the continental United States with the American flag over top of it. And again, like they even said, this whole entire year, they really just wanted the people to feel proud to be American, which I mean, pretty much anybody who was living in that time period, they'll even say like, that's all it was. You want to be proud to be an American. You really want to get your spirits back up because of the tragedy everybody was witnessing at the time. So and I honestly, I think you two really, they knocked it out of the park with this uh, performance. I think they did fantastic. I agree. I think that as somebody that isn't a fan of U2's music, I think that it was a very powerful and good performance. Um, of course, I it wasn't the same as saying that I liked NSYNC or Aerosmith's performances, which if you want to know my opinion on that, go back and listen yeah, to the first episode. We're not going to tell you. You do the work. But I think it's different because – you could just feel the powerfulness, I, I guess. You could just feel yeah. the impact that this performance was happening as it was going, even though I'm watching it, what, 18 years later uh, on on a TV, on a yeah. computer, on YouTube. It just very different, very powerful. Yeah. Well, even like uh, I think Kurt Warner said – he was coming out getting ready to go into the second half and they were just getting to like the very end of it. And he realized like just how big everything was. And they said some people claim even to this day that it is the greatest halftime show of all time. I, to me personally, like we'll get into that, but like they said, because it got a great message, it was a fantastic performance and just you could feel all the emotions coming out. And it was like a perfect storm that ended up just working together. Now, Dan, think about this. I'm about to blow your mind. Originally, who they wanted for this halftime show, Janet Jackson. Yikes. And she, well, she's going to come in two years later. She's the Not to foreshadow here, but, but could yeah. you imagine if what happened two years later had happened at this halftime show, if they had chosen Janet Jackson. Yeah. That that, would have been a train wreck. Yeah. Well, because that's even the thing. They sort of realized maybe Janet Jackson isn't the right thing. And then what happened was one of the executives, one of the higher ups who were like in control of this, they went to a U2 concert sometime in like October-ish, like one of their tribute concerts for the troops. And the troops and the firemen, the police, all that. <laughs> I don't want to sound like it's just the one single out, but they saw the curtain and the names coming up for uh, where the streets have no names, and they saw how powerful that was, and they're like, we need you two solely for this moment because we know that this is going to bring the people together, and this is what they're going to love about it. Yeah, I think that that's something interesting to talk about is the choice of going with you two, choosing the Irish band. The small Irish band that's not well known. (laughs) 
And you, no. well, yeah, because at this point they weren't. The album no, was not on every much. iPhone when you first got it, so yeah. nobody, well, nobody they knew were also them very as well much because their their first song "Beautiful Day" came out like a year or two before, and that blew up. But yeah, yeah. So you're choosing this relatively small Irish band <laughs> in a time where America needs healing and where they need patriotism and the war on terror is going on and it's in it's in full swing and i think that on paper stupid stupid well, why would you do that a, a lot of people actually like even when they saw the rehearsals on that friday at least according to this one person's like oral history that i read online even up until that Friday dress rehearsal, everybody thought it was going to be a disaster. They thought people were going to rip it apart and call it one of the worst halftime performances of all time. And they were thinking, like, we might have made a mistake. They almost didn't do the names coming up, too, because the projector, the projector, that projector, I don't know why I can't say that right. The projector didn't have enough power. So they thought, like, forget it, we're not even going to do the names part of it. And could you imagine if they just ended up going with that decision? It, then it would have been probably, like, average at best. I feel like the names really is what made it all, like, have that heart to it and made the message and everything such a more powerful performance. Yeah, I mean, I I know I couldn't. I don't think that it would have went over as well. But back to that point that both of us kind of just collaborated on on paper this looks bad on paper yeah. this isn't the right decision people yeah. who were there even in person before it saying this is a bad decision i don't know if this is going to have the effect we want but guess what when the lights go down and the show comes on they absolutely knocked it out of the park they came with the passion they came with the energy they brought the feel to this performance and although it doesn't make sense on paper, it makes sense when you watch it. And exactly. beautiful performance, very powerful. The only thing that I think overall that would have made it better for me is if I knew any YouTube songs. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say change your music. I'm not going to say it should have yeah. been somebody else. I think that they did it. But yeah. we'll go ahead and let's let's go through the set list because I'll let you lead that because I have no yeah. idea what the songs are. And And really quickly... Uh, I wonder if this dog is going to get picked up. I can hear him. Okay. Well, congratulations, everybody. Uh, (laughs) Really quickly before we do, I just want to have this because this is another really funny note. NBC NBC aired an episode of Fear Factor as counter programming because they thought it was going to be a disaster and no one was going to tune in. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I'm so serious. Well, I because I know eventually way down the line when we get to it in 1992, Fox did a counter-programming of In Living Color up against the halftime show, and it actually beat the halftime show ratings. Yikes. And so we're talking, so when you say down the road, you're saying something that we'll eventually get to, because right now we're we're basically in 2002. Right now we're in the future, but way down the road in our future, we're going to talk about the past. (laughs) I hope that all you folks at home are keeping up with that logic, because that is top tier. It's it's pretty... Little back to the future nonsense. 
All right, so let's start about let's let's start talking about this already. So we start with "Beautiful Day," the song that was released in 2000, huge hit at the time. Um, as I was saying last episode, you should always start with the second most popular song and end with the most popular. And I think at the time of early 2002, because this song came out in 2000, I think you can make an argument that this was probably at, at least in their top five of most well-known songs. Um, but it was also so popular and it kind of put them back in the zeitgeist of American culture that I think this was a great song to start out with. So the lyrics, and I mean the song title itself of Beautiful Day, like it really is the thing that they're trying to get these people into it. They want them to feel emotional. They want everybody to start feeling good about themselves because it's a beautiful day. Yeah, I mean, good song, I think. Uh, yeah. Not a big U2 guy, if you haven't picked up on that from the five times that I've already said it in this uh, podcast. Did, did you like how, I guess, the one similarity with last week's episode, or last, I guess, last year's halftime show, was how it started out with uh, Bono walking through the crowd as he was starting the song. I did like of those, that. I, of course, moments. not as unique, but I mean, it, it worked. I liked it. And, I didn't like it as much in terms of excitement, but that's not what he's going for. He's not going for the same excitement that NSYNC was. And like I said, I think it was really stupid for NSYNC to do that because then they sounded garbage. They they were out of breath. But I didn't hear that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bono, he's just walking through. He's just like, you know, waving to the people. Everybody's like screaming in his face. So different energy. So I'll say it's similar, but it's a different energy. And I think it's the appropriate energy. I think that both of them had appropriate energy for their given shows and environments. And so I, I liked it. Yeah, like and it. as he as he walks up onto the stage, it was a heart shaped stage, which again, get it? You, you're getting they're getting really everything they're doing. It's very I wouldn't say subtle because I don't <laughs> think it was that subtle, but uh, it it wasn't necessarily over the top. Okay, so I guess it was medium. Yeah, <laughs> it was a uh, medium level of uh, they knew what they were doing, the and they didn't care if people saw it. Like they're not trying to. Be like, oh, let me let me slip this under them their noses, and oh, you guys were looking at a heart shaped stage the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, one, they're one like, of, of course, uh, notice this, but we're not gonna make this the centerpiece of the performance. Yeah, one of one of the notes I did have also, um, I don't remember the exact moment when it happened though was when he's singing and then the camera's coming in really close on him and then it almost looks like he's pushing the camera away and the camera pulls back i was just like oh ah like that's a chef's kiss of just like cinematic like cinematography beauty right there just right at that moment it looked it just looked really nice i thought i have a question was bono wearing tinted glasses yes that's his thing <laughs> that and then very occasionally epic. very epic. then occasionally um he will wear like sort of a jeweled cowboy hat. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but he didn't do. Oh, thank God he didn't do it for this. Yeah, Maybe I'm that, just thinking of the South Park version of him, but oof. still. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, that's that's all I have to say about that song. Yeah, beautiful day. I thought I thought they pulled it off very well. And so um, you said that this was their big hit. It's their second most popular song, so it's not their biggest hit, but it's I would, a bigger hit. 
I would say especially at the time, it was probably like one of their biggest hits because this like this was released like a year or so before. So it really got them. And again, just a reminder, didn't have the album on their iPhones yet. It wasn't stuck on there and you couldn't get it off. I don't think the iPod was even invented yet. So 2002. No, I don't think so. 18 years Um, ago. Until wow. we get corrected. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let us know in the comments section below. <laughs> are we idiots about iPod history? Um, so then we go into just like a quick as the curtain comes up and the names start to come up. We get just a little bit of MLK, just a little time, like a nice little 10 second, 15 second transition. Uh, to be honest, like. I don't think this was necessary for the transition. I think they could have gone straight into where the streets have no name. I don't think a lot of people really even noticed, especially I, like I know you don't know uh, YouTube music so well, but did you at least know that there was a different song coming up? No, <laughs> did not. Okay. Well, but I'm sure any normal listener would. But again, for the sixth time, not a big U2 guy. Is that going to be a new t shirt? Not a big U2 guy? Yeah. When we eventually start selling merch. That's this episode. Uh, yeah. But, anyways, so that's when the names of all the lost lives start to come up. And it's just really short, so not even necessary to talk about. So let's just get right into the big moment, um, unless you have anything to say. Probably not, though. Nope. So let's get right into the big moment. Where the Streets Have No Name comes up, and that's when the Edge starts uh, playing the... That's when he starts doing the... Oh, my God, I can't even think of what it is. What's it called in song So is this terms. the one where they have the three? Yeah, this okay. is when, like, the three That'll be my big point that I make here. All right, so I'll let. Well, then you take this lead because I've been talking for a while. Okay. So, Sam, if I could just step in real quick, I believe that we are transitioning to the third and final song of this set list that inspired a nation in in its uh, darkest hours. It seemed like, but I just want to bring up the point that I think that there were three memorable defining moments that really made this performance stick out and when i think of what are the things that i remember from this it is these three things one the names dropping down i think that that is point blank number one the biggest thing that jumps out at you yes absolutely and then i think that two bono running around the stage i think that one Gets everybody involved. Great move performance-wise. Two. The energy up. Energy up. I I couldn't agree more. Three, different camera angles. You're going to really utilize that for the people at home. And then fourth and final, I think that it was, I believe during that time he wasn't singing, right? He was just running? Yeah. Well, yeah, he was just running. For at least most of it. Yeah, I think so. So. That's a perfect time rather than everybody just sitting on stage doing nothing, waiting for the people. I mean, like the guitarists and the bassists and the drummer are playing to me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discredit them by any means. But I think that you expect from the lead singer for him to bring a little bit of energy and pizzazz. And so if he's just sitting there, I think that it doesn't make as interesting TV or performance. So I think that 
it served that purpose. I think that it checked a lot of boxes in terms of performance. But the final thing, which actually I'm going to save it because I know we have more to talk about. And this is definitely going to be a point which I think if you don't already know what I'm talking about, you're going to know in about a minute. So what were your thoughts on this song? Um, again, I thought they knocked it out of the park, much like you're saying, the curtain coming up with all the names, even the curtain dropping, I thought was like pretty cool. Um, even though apparently at the time, very small amount of people thought that it was supposed to, that that was like showing, oh, the tower's falling. It wasn't. Those are people being idiots. But I thought that that was cool. The running around the stage, there were even moments where he would be on stage and like, He's like almost like kind of holding his jacket in, kind of like almost teasing the audience, being like, oh, something might be happening. Just like he's kind of trying to hold it in. Uh, or maybe he's like, oh, I want to pull it out now. He's like, nope, got to save it for the end. So I thought overall they really knocked it out of the park. And Where the Streets Have No Names probably is like their most popular song, I think. I, I mean, I'm also not a big U2 head, but at least I do know this song. U2 <laughs> I know this and I know this and Beautiful Day and like uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Like I know a few, but yeah. But yeah, and I think that that just brings us to kind of the end of the performance as well as the the most memorable moment, period, is when Bono takes the jacket and yeah. you see the American flag. And it's a powerful moment. But then also when you think about it and you put it in perspective, this is a guy from Ireland. Yeah. This is a band from Ireland that is showing support for our country and is showing a lot of patriotism in a or pa- showing a lot of patriotism in a time where our country really needed it. And I mean that is just an iconic moment. That's something that I mean, for goodness sakes, I'm pretty sure it's the thumbnail of the video. It's just Yeah. It is the defining moment. It it is the perfect ending to the performance. I would say, I would say in terms of like halftime show imagery, uh, and not, we're only on episode two, but I think this is definitely top five like Super Bowl uh, images during the halftime show. And I'm pretty sure once we get to like Super Bowl 50, they do a mini montage while Coldplay's playing. And I'm sure this is in it. This this has to be in it (laughs) out of the most important images. Yeah, I think that this is this is probably the most important Super Bowl halftime that we have covered so far, Sam. I would completely agree. I'd say that this is the most important that we've covered. Oh, well, yeah, no, (laughs) you've got the one that started and then you got the one about 9-11. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So. I thought that it was that, yeah, that that jacket reveal once again, much like earlier, beautiful right there. It was a perfect ending to what's honestly, I'm going to say it, a pretty closely flawless uh, performance. Yeah. The the one flaw is just I don't think MLK was needed, but I don't know, maybe. Nitpicking at that point. It's just, I'd say that if you compare it to what we were talking about last week, no beef. I think that this is a pretty good performance. I mean, in Sync and Aerosmith, we were kind of tearing them apart a little bit and really nitpicking. But here, 
the worst thing we can say is, hey, you included a clip you added in from a song MLK. Yeah. yeah, which it's such a small complaint. It's like yeah, it's the what, 20 seconds played, of the overall the, performance? You, yeah, you played a 20 second song that was just in there just for, I don't know, maybe length or a transition. It's such a small, tiny complaint. Well, then this is the other thing. The one complaint that you could possibly make is length. I feel like it wasn't that long. Yeah, but it, it here's both why it wasn't that long, but it was also both like the perfect length. I don't, I, know. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that some people who probably are U2 fans, which for the seventh time is not me. Yeah, they um, they might have wanted more. Yeah, and I think I, that it's almost that theory where you don't want to go on for too long because then. There's more more time to slip up, I guess. And they were pretty good about that. But another thing is, I think that the reason why it was so short, or at least part of the reason, was because they didn't have any guests come out, which is something that last week was the complete opposite. They had so they many had guests. They had, yeah, out. exactly. Not to mention that they had two people splitting the headline. So yeah. I think that, that being said, I think that that was a good move. I think yeah. you've, you make it... Honestly, I don't think that this is going to sound insensitive, but it's almost like their guests or the pe- the person slash event that was splitting the headline was 9-11 and honoring those victims. I think that, that if you have to think about what are the two things that you take from this, it's the performance by you two and their memorial to yeah. um, the victims well, and first yeah. responders and all that. I would which, agree with that. I think that you can make an argument that they're both headlining. And I think that that was really important. And again, like I think had the had had 9/11 not happened, then again, we might have gotten Janet Jackson 2 years earlier and it would have been a completely different show. Like you you really especially in this performance, you can't take the message out of the performance. It's too in much engraved into it that you you just you can't do it it's it's like trying to i don't know it's like trying to do a chemical change you can't undo it you can only undo physical changes wow dropping a little science on us wow yeah i but, don't think i've used that term since like what 10th grade and sophomore year of high school <laughs> but <laughs> maybe i did overall, something overall a very different performance i think it's I mean, very powerful. That's the one word that I think comes to mind is just powerful and compassionate. Thumbs up. Full thumbs up. Definitely. I, I'm giving 90 it thumbs up. 90 two degrees. 90 degree thumbs up. thumbs up from us. Uh, unlike last time where it was like a 45 degree thumbs up. But yeah, two, two, two thumbs up, one thumb up, whatever. I think thumbs that up. this was the best performance that we've obviously covered so far. But I well, almost feel like it's unfair to yes. put it in the same category. I think that yes. this is probably the best Super Bowl performance for doing what it did. Yes, I would agree with that. A lot of people, because I've looked at like what other websites' ranking lists were, um, and a lot of people do still keep this in their top five, but the no- one of the notes that some of them have is it's almost unfair to not give this number one because of how powerful the message is but we're going to try and just put the other four ahead. Fantastic. Like stuff like that. Yeah. Because when you think of a Super Bowl halftime performance, 
Yeah. You're not thinking about being moved to tears. You're not thinking about getting your heartstrings strung on like that. And so, like, I mean, if we're really going to compare it to, like, we've been talking about Janet Jackson's yeah. performance. It's, if we're going to compare too- it to this past year's Super Bowl performance, Shakira and J-Lo, yeah. you can't do that. You can't, like, of course you have to, but you can't. This yeah. one is definitely the best for what it does. I think uh, because I think the rest was, are fairly lighthearted. Yeah, right? I think. Yeah, no, there a lot of them are definitely closer to the InSync Aerosmith than they are YouTube. But I want to say it was Katie Nolan's podcast. One time she did a thing about the halftime shows, and they were trying to rank them. And I think she even put in her thing like, "We're taking out YouTube's because nobody wants to be an a hole and take out the one that was about nine eleven. Yeah, seriously. So they like they're like we're not even going to put this in the running because it's too unfair. So. I, I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea for us to follow suit by saying asterisks. Yes. Asterisks. I'd agree. Because I would say in my in my rankings, this is one of two, but you gotta put a little star next to it or something. Yeah, for sure. It's it's for pretty sure. difficult. Um before we finish up, who is your halftime show MVP? <sighs> I mean I wanna go controversial here. Okay. No, no, no. That's fine. If you go controversial, I'll go safe. Okay. I'd say that the MVP is the projection screen. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Because I legit have in my notes, I've got a halftime MVP. I put down, obviously, Bono. But for laughs, I want to say the projection person. (laughs) I mean, like... For me, that's what it was. I like no Bono I, I, bringing great energy. Don't get me wrong, no beef. I think he's a great guy based off of everything that I've heard from this podcast and everything I've known about him beforehand. Don't get me wrong, but defining moment. The best part of it was that drop down. It's it's completely fine and it's completely like it, I completely get it because had you said Bono, I was gonna go that route and do the projectionist or the person who typed up the names, the person who spell checked the names. I was gonna go the joke route on this. Yeah, I'm going the projector, the projector okay, itself, I'll, not the person, oh, the projector, like the, the the projection of the names. I think that <laughs> the, that was the MVP. Well, should they be the generator that helps power the projector? Well, t- t- semantics. Okay, we digress. Who's your Super Bowl halftime I'll, MVP? I'll, I'll give it to Bono. I'll I'll go safe route on this. I mean, I won Britney Spears last week and did the, I guess, controversial route of not giving it to one of the headliners. I don't so even I'll remember go, who I said. You probably said uh, Aerosmith. What? <laughs> now I'm not remembering the person who's the lead singer of Aerosmith. Steven Tyler? Steven Tyler. I think did that's I? what you said. I may have, yeah. I mean, I went back and edited it, so I'm pretty sure that's what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that about does it for us, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our second episode. I encourage you, if you haven't, please go ahead and listen to our episode from last week. It was a great jumping off point, and I'm really excited for what we have next week. I'll be honest, not sure who it is off the top of my head, but I know that I'm jazzed for it, and that is going to be a great episode, I'm sure. So don't, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button. Please listen to us. Make sure that we pop up when we post these. I believe that we're going to aim for Sundays. Yeah. Continue coming out on Sundays every week. Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. Halftime performances. Get ready. So, but 
just to wrap it up, thank you guys again for listening. I'm Dan. And I'm Sam. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Sam, who do we have next week? Next week, we have Shania Twain. Oh, uh, yes, Queen. And that is during the, um, I think it's it was the Gruden Bowl because it was the Raiders versus the Buccaneers. And I think something with his job, I don't remember. I'm going to be honest. For that episode? <laughs> I love Shania Twain. I'm really? a big Shania Twain guy. I hate to uh, admit it, but I remember listening. I remember hearing her in uh, in my mom's car when we would drive. She, yeah. uh, I believe she had a, I almost want to say D, um, a CD, but it very well could have been a cassette tape. <laughs>